0: Now, we've started a new series. Have you noticed? Uh, Edward kicked it off last week. We're going to walk our way through John's Gospel. And uh, it was interesting. I was looking back over some of my notes, and uh, I think I've preached right through the New Testament since I've been here, uh, except for John's Gospel. So it's really exciting for me, if not for anyone else. John's gospel, the last gospel to be written. John was an older man when he wrote it. He was the beloved disciple. I love the way John puts that in his gospels and his writings, that he calls himself the beloved disciple. Isn't that brilliant? Part of me used to think, who does he think he is? Call himself the beloved disciple. Does he think he's more special than anyone else? No! He just knows that he's loved by Jesus and owns it. You can say, I'm a beloved disciple too. I am. And he writes this gospel that we may believe. That's the reason for the gospel. He wants people to read this and believe in Jesus and have life in his name. And life in all its fullness. That's why he writes the gospel. Saying I believe in Jesus when you mean it with all your heart marks a difference between life and death. It's the most theological of the gospels because John As he goes through the accounts of Jesus' life and his words, he keeps asking, Why did he say that? Why did he do that? And he helpfully explains. So we're back into uh, chapter 1. Edward dealt with a sort of introduction, the prologue as it's called, and we're reading from verse 19 to 34. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John, in the words of Isaiah, the prophet said, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Oh, it's exciting. I don't know what you do on a Saturday night. Last night was Cafe Zera and heard really good reports about Cafe Zera. But if you weren't at Cafe Zera, you may have been in watching telly. And if you were, the BBC have put on a new uh, sort of talent show. You may have heard about it called The Voice and we're going to have a little clip of the voice. All being well. Going back to the corner where I I saw you. Gonna camp in my sleeping bag. I'm not gonna move. Got some words on cardboard. Got your picture in my hand. Say, if you see this girl, can you tell her where I am? Some to Hand me money, baby. I'm a haunted man. I know it makes no sense whatever. What can I do? How can I move on if I'm still in love with you? Because if one day you wake up and find you're missing me, and your heart starts to wonder where on earth I could be. Thinking maybe you'd come back into the us left with me and you see me waiting for you on the corner of the street because I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. No. back to the corner where I first saw you. Gonna camp in my sleeping bag. I'm not gonna move. Now, what has that got to do with John the Baptist? (laughs) Some of you are just thinking, he's lost the plot. (laughs) In this program, and I, I only watched it for the first time, just a clip of it last night, because it just sprang to mind as I was preparing this. It's called The Voice, a talent show. People come and sing. And one of the stages is called the blind audition where a singer comes onto the stage and begins to sing. And all the judges or the coaches can't see them. All they hear is the voice. And if they want to respond to the voice, they turn round. And in the Bible, turning round is called repentance. But here in the show, it means that they want to work with that singer. And some of you still haven't got, what has that got to do with John the Baptist? When the priests and the Levites come out, see, John is in the desert. John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus, the forerunner, the one sent to prepare the way for Jesus, he goes out into the desert and he starts baptizing people, calling them to repent. Here, here the scribes, the Pharisees, the Levites, the priests, they all go out, Who do you think you are? Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. Who are you? You Know what John describes himself as? The voice. Don't look at me. Don't look at my camel coat. Don't look at my leather belt. Don't think about whether I eat locusts and honey for breakfast. Hear what God is saying and turn around. Repent. The point of the game show is it doesn't matter what you look like. If you have a voice, you can be heard. Because we live in a society that says you have to look this way or you have to do it that way. I just love that idea. John is the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. People were expecting a Messiah. Are you the Christ? Are you the one? Because you you look weird enough to be the Messiah. Are you Elijah, probably held in second highest honor among the Jews to Moses? Are you Elijah? No. Prophet calling Israel back to God? No. No. I am a voice, quoting Isaiah. Get right with God because he is coming. He is coming. And John testifies. He says twice in this passage, he is someone who testifies. Don't look at me. Look at him. He testifies. That's our task in life. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. John came as a witness to the light. John the baptizer that he was called the baptizer because that's what he did that was his nickname. The desert preacher who came to revive backslidden Israel in AD 27 28. And you know what it may have been that the apostle John the writer of this gospel was one of John the Baptist's disciples early on. We don't know that for sure, but there is a feeling that he was. And He would have been listening to John. And John the Baptist was a good man. He is described by Jesus as no one greater who has ever been born of women than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he always a bit like that with Jesus. He was a good man pointing to the God-man, Jesus. And of course, John's activity attracted a lot of attention. The religious people, who does he think he is? He hasn't been to Bible college. He hasn't been anywhere like that. But the ordinary people were coming, lost in their sin. Coming to be baptized by John. A baptism of repentance. And John sees himself as the one who prepares the way for the Lord. It's like I was on the, uh, driving along the other day and uh, hear the siren of the ambulance or the police car. You don't know what it is, but you hear it first, don't you? And you just pull aside and all the traffic pulls aside to make way the rescuers and that's what John is doing he is making way for Jesus to come repent turn around get ready now the religious leaders of the day were a bit cross with John because he was baptizing now baptism wasn't new John didn't invent baptism Gentiles, non-Jews who were converted to Judaism would have been baptised and circumcised to mark a total cleansing marking a threshold crossed what was new about John's baptism was he was calling it for Jews you need to be baptised you can't rely on your Jewishness on your religiousness it is not enough get ready Get ready to receive not a religion, but a relationship with God. Get ready to receive a person, not a philosophy. And John always says, look away from me. And he directs people's gaze to someone greater. And he describes the someone greater as someone who he is not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. Strange thing to say, isn't it? I'm not worthy to untie the thongs on his sandals. The lowest slave of the house, the lowest slave, would be the one who had the job of dealing with people's feet. The lowest slave of the house would untie the thongs on people's sandals and wash their feet. And John says, I am not even worthy to untie the thongs of the sandals of the one who is coming. I am nothing, he says, he is everything. John didn't want a name for himself. He didn't want to start a movement. I mean, who would have heard of the Baptists anyway? You wouldn't want to start a movement. Well... He didn't want a name for himself. He wanted a name for the one who is coming. The next day, the very next day, John sees Jesus. He's seen him before, but he sees him now again. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... Again, it may seem strange in our ears that Jesus is described as a lamb. Jesus, God in the flesh. Jesus, the saviour of the world. He is described as a lamb. And if you've been around recently, you will have seen some of them. These little lambs. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of lambs, but I look on back ends and I see these little, cute little lambs. They're sort of frolicking around in the field. And I commented to her, don't they look a bit bigger since we last saw them? They grow very quickly, don't they? Or maybe you're thinking lamb and you're thinking, yeah, the time is on and uh, should be ready about one. How long is he going to go on for? I love roast lamb too. John? The gospel writer, right at the beginning of the gospel, takes these anointed words from John the Baptist to point what is going to happen at the end. Jesus is the Lamb of God. God himself made flesh, but he will die a sacrificial death for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins. So that you will not be lost forever but that you will have eternity with God. So that you won't be in Satan's hands anymore but you will be in the hands of a loving heavenly father. You will be rescued out of darkness and brought into light. And by the end of John's gospel he has have made the meaning clear. The death of Jesus takes place he says on the afternoon when the Passover lambs are being killed in the temple. And if you're not familiar with the the symbolic nature of that, it points back to the time when Israel was freed out of slavery in Egypt. And when they would celebrate the Passover because they would remember and give thanks that God saw them in slavery, He brought them out of slavery. Remember the story of Pharaoh and Moses and the plagues read it up in Exodus 12 it's fantastic but the last plague cuz pharaoh kept hardening his heart i won't let them go i won't let them go all those plagues the last plague was death the firstborn would die so hard was his heart and god said i want you to take a lamb and I want you to sacrifice the lamb. And it has to be a lamb without blemish, without defect. And I want you to put the blood of that lamb on the doorposts. And then I want you to cook the lamb and eat the lamb and be ready to leave. This isn't a dinner party where you get the candles out and everything. This is going to be eaten in hurry because we're going. And that night the angel of death passed over Egypt. And where he saw the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, he passed over the house. And Jesus, when he's sharing the last supper, as we call it, communion as we remember it, he is sharing Passover with his disciples, and he takes the bread, part of that meal. He takes the cup, and he points to himself, my blood will save you from death. I will rescue you. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, inspired prophet of God. He's the Lamb of God who rescues and saves and delivers and sets free. Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover. He is coming to make it possible for all people to be freed from the slavery of sin that separates us from God. The slavery of death. To eternal life with him. It's God's rescue mission. Jesus has come. And John says, look at him. There are other land motifs in the scriptures. If you want to study them, you can. Abraham, remember Abraham when he goes to sacrifice his son Isaac and we're thinking How, why would God allow that to happen and a lamb is provided in his place as a substitute and Jesus is that for us he takes our death for us our punishment for us that we go free Or Isaiah 53, he talks about the Messiah being led like a lamb to the slaughter. Or later on when John writes that amazing account of his revelation, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The lamb motif goes right through the New Testament. Jesus is the lamb of God. How does John know who he is? Well, you think he was his cousin. He must have known. His mum must have told him. Maybe his dad would have told him. He hears from heaven. This is his testimony. I am not him. He is the reason I am here. He is the reason I am here. We can all say that this morning. Jesus is the reason I am here. Why else would you be here in a school hall? Jesus is the reason you're here. Whether you know him as your savior or not, Jesus is the reason you are here. And if you don't know him yet, I would say, come. Why not today? Ask Jesus to be your savior, your Lord. John's testimony is, the one who sent me told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he testifies, I have seen, and he is the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? Right at the beginning of the Gospel here, John's ministry, he discerns that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior, the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. Because the Father is has told John, when you're baptizing, the one who you see the Spirit come on and remain, he is the one. And John's gospel doesn't actually record the baptism. Maybe he just assumes everyone knows about that. But he records these words of John the Baptist. And only when Jesus has given his life for sin... Will he pour out the Holy Spirit on all who believe in his name? When we come to faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we can receive him again and again and again and be filled and be filled and be filled again. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Only when the temple of the human heart has been cleansed from that sin and rebellion can the presence of God come and live there. Jesus, Son of Man, human being, Son of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And John says, He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Baptize meaning to dip, to submerge, to saturate. The pictures that come with baptism are like a cloth being dipped into dye. You dip it in and it comes out a different color, transformed. Or a sponge that you take, you know, those dry sponges, and you dip them in water and they suddenly go, as they take in the water. And not only that, you draw them up and they are heavy with water, saturated with water. This baptism isn't a sprinkling. It is a submerging, a drenching, a soaking. Even on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came upon the believers, people thought they were drunk, saturated with drink. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have the baptism of John. We have the baptism of Jesus. Yes, we need to repent. We need to turn around. Of course we do from our sins. But we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. and Baptized with the Holy Spirit. And John says, I have seen and I testify. And again, I've just been challenge once again you know I love the Alpha course I don't know how many I've done since I've been here it's in the high 30's now and I sometimes feel the burden of having to having to persuade people having to have all the answers and I don't have them all and I'm just a, I'm just a witness it's all I have I bear testimony that Jesus saved me That he transformed my life. That he is who he says he is. I believe it with all my heart. I can't prove it to anyone. But I will point to him always. And that's our task. Wherever you are tomorrow, point people to Jesus. Whether it's just the way that you live. The manner in which you deal with things. Do you know sometimes it's hardest to be like that at home as well, isn't it? Where those know you the best. and know all your faults and failings. They don't know them all, do they? We're to point people to Jesus. As best we can. We fail and mess up sometimes, but that's our task. To the one who was always with God. Jesus was always with the Father. He was always there. From the very beginning, Jesus was there. Not as a human being. He became a human being. Born as a baby. But he was always there. That's how John begins his gospel. He was with God. He was, was God. We need to crack this in our understanding. Jesus was God in the flesh. And however we can't understand the Trinity, Jesus was God. God the Father, yes. God the Son, Jesus. God the Holy Spirit. It's not Jesus and God. He is God in the flesh. And who's coming again. And John, as he begins his gospel, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This gospel is written that you may believe in Jesus and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. I want to call for a response this morning. If you want to be a more effective witness for Jesus, if you want to be filled just afresh with the Holy Spirit... If you want to make a commitment to Jesus today and you've never made that commitment, do it today. Shall we stand as we pray? And I just encourage you where you are. If you want to be a more effective witness for Jesus, just to respond to God in some way, just tell him or in a physical way, just hold out your hands as we're in prayer. You want to be more effective for Jesus. If you want to be filled afresh with his Holy Spirit, Jesus says... How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? will be asking. If you've never been baptized as a believer, we have a baptism coming up in June. Perhaps this is the time that you step up and be baptized. I know that there are some here in this room that the Lord is just talking to you about baptism and you haven't responded yet. To be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. To be drenched in water and all that symbolizes but also that symbol of being filled with the Spirit as well. If that's you this morning and the Lord is just knocking again and saying it's time for you. And you'll know who you are. Or maybe this morning you've come here this morning and you've never invited Jesus to be your saviour. Maybe you've known about him, been around, heard about him, but never said yes to him. Maybe today God is saying, come, is that you today? I encourage you to respond. Invite God into your life today. So as we sing this next song, we're just going to use this time. Ask to be more effective, ask to be filled, just where you are. Maybe God's asking you about baptism, then you'll need to tell somebody about that. Or if you come to the Lord today in faith, and you wanna be saved today, then tell somebody today after the service. Maybe someone who's come with, you've come with, or somebody that you know here in the congregation, or myself. But don't leave this place. If God has challenged you this morning, where are you? So let's sing this song and use it as we respond to God. Just where we are, holding out our hands, more effective for you, more of your spirit, challenge of baptism.